Hi, I'm Chuck, and welcome to Soaring the Sky. Whether you're a pilot or an aviation enthusiast, or you're just curious about aviation and sailplanes, thanks for joining us today. Coming up today, I do have a special guest. He's been flying for over 30 years. His first actual glider ride ended up in a field and not back at the airport. But let me let him tell you that story. Gary, how did your aviation adventure begin? It's not an overly complex story. There's only two things on the planet Earth I've ever wanted to be. One is a musician and the other is a pilot. And that's, I can remember that as far back as I can remember. I grew up in a city and so we had a large municipal airport which was off limits. You could go watch the airliners, but it wasn't youth friendly. So when I went to college, I ended up renting an apartment. I went to WVU in Morgantown, and the apartment was within, oh, maybe three quarters of a mile of the local airport. So on a Sunday afternoon, I was watching little airplanes come and go, and I said, well, let me go see about this. So I wandered over to the airport and found a guy and said, what do you have to do to learn to fly these things? And he said, you got $10? And I said, yep. And he said, follow me. And I took my first airplane lesson. I got my license and learned to fly when I was a uh, freshman or a sophomore in college. Learned to fly power airplanes and have been flying them off and on ever since. Soaring is a another kind of happy circumstance. I went to WVU and it turned out that the head of the engineering school at the time, the dean, was Ed Byers who was well known in the soaring community, raced a lot, very much associated with Bill Holbrook. And back in the 70s, they were both big names in soaring. So I was in the engineering library one day looking for books on flying and ran into a number of soaring books, which was very thin at the time. There were not, not, not very many books in English about soaring. So I read this book about soaring, and at the end of the book, it had a list of some of the clubs that were in existence, and it turned out there was a soaring club in Cumberland, Maryland, and it gave the phone number of a person who was the secretary of the club. Now, the book was seriously out of date, but I called that number and got the wife of a club member, and she gave me the details about where to find the Cumberland Soaring Club. So I wandered over and took a ride, which was interesting because my first glider ride, we we landed out on my introduction ride. Oh, wow. <laughs> not what many a, what people, an introduction, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not many people can say that. So I joined the club, and that was, oh, I learned to fly in 70, what year was that, 76? No, 78 is when I got my learned to fly power airplanes and I joined the glider club in 86. Not to interrupt you but sure. When when you say landing out just so people understand. I mean it's it, to me it's kind of a big deal if you have to land out. I haven't had to do that yet, but I know it's going to happen. Just explain a little bit what landing out means. Well, we had begun the ride at the airport as per usual and took off and released from the tow plane and had flown around a little bit and it was a windy day here in the ridges and we wandered into a 
a considerable amount of sink. And we got caught the wrong side of the ridge and able to return to port. So the pilot who was taking me for a ride decided the best course of action was to land in the field, which we did very successfully, no drama involved with it. And then um, after a little bit, the tow plane came over and pulled us out of a field and towed us back to the airport. And it being my first ride in a glider, I figured, well, they do this every day. What's the problem? <laughs> um, and some people do it every day. Some people not so much. So that's kind of a, to me, an interesting moment at the beginning of my soaring career. And it obviously so, didn't scare you away because here you are still flying gliders. So. No, it didn't. And, and the pilot was very good. And he was at all times very well in control, very calm about the whole thing. It just like he just said, well, we're going to land in this field here. Right. And we landed in the field and there was no, no further drama or concern about it. So, you know, it didn't give me a, it actually was a little exciting. Um, oh, I'm so, sure, I mean, I'm sure I can't imagine, but yeah, that, that would be, <laughs> that would be definitely exciting. So if that answers your question, it was a, you know, my, my day job is in the music business. I'm a professor at a local college in the music department. And my over, you know, my number one escape from my job is flying. That's, that's pretty awesome that you get to do both of those, the things that you were wanting to do when you were very young, to, to live out your dream. I mean, that's what a lot of, a lot of us hope to do. So that is definitely very cool. I know that is one of your most memorable flights, but do you have another one in mind? Yeah, I've, I've been, let's see, I think I've been doing this about 32, 33 years. There are numerous ones that, that are special to me. My, I think for most people who've been flying gliders a while, oftentimes your first time you do something is very memorable. Oh, yes. My first cross-country in a glider probably fills that bill as much as anything. Where I was, after soaring for a couple of years, I started to pursue the badges. Now, soaring like, sort of like the Boy Scouts, you can earn merit badges of a sort. And uh, the first important one is the silver badge, which you have to gain a thousand meters, which is not that high. It's a little over 3000 feet, not so hard. Um, you have to do a five hour flight. That's pretty special. Yeah, that's a tough um, one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting in its own right. And then you have to fly a, 50 kilometer cross country and for most glider pilots this is the first time that they're ever going to leave the comfort and security of the home area yeah exactly and so i remember that one pretty vividly that beautiful summer day and flying a mid-level glider that the club had owned i remember getting to the parts that stand out in my memory you reach the end of your comfort zone or you get to a certain point, which is maybe 10, 12 miles away from home. You realize this is the, if you go another mile that you 
are with can no longer glide back to your home airport that you're right. committed on your journey. I remember taking a thermal in that area and hanging out in that thermal for what now is in a very inordinate amount of time. I was, well, I'll get another 10 feet. I'll get another 10 feet. And I was, I made circle after circle after circle after circle and couldn't quite get myself to jump off the high dive. Right. And I finally said, okay, I'm going to go. And I distinctly remember rolling out of the circle, headed north and pushing the stick forward. And my heart was going thump, 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 like it's an interesting personal moment. And then, and then the interesting thing is once you're committed, once you can't get back home, for me, I can't speak for anybody else. Then all of a sudden you get very calm again and focus on what you're going to do and sort of forget about worrying that you can't make it back to home from here. And you just do what you know how to do. And I, you know, flew up to Bedford, Pennsylvania, very successful, beautiful day, turned around and came home. And it's like, huh, the first one, like many th first things, I still remember almost minute by minute, I can tell you every thermal I took and, you know, what I thought about and, and, and it replays in my head very vividly. That's, that's a special trip to me or one of many. I've, I've had a lot of flights that were, I've enjoyed quite a bit. Oh yeah, exactly. And I, I can't, for me, I mean, I haven't done the cross country, but like on my solo, you know, you, you your heart's pounding and you're like, okay, here we go. But then once it kicks in, Hey, this is what I got to do. You do it. Things come together. But but you know that's the I can relate to that as far as that goes. And one of these days when I take my first cross country, hopefully it'll be successful. And but I'm sure I'll go through all that again, like I did with my solo. Yeah, I I expect it's probably the same for most people. The being successful is profoundly rewarding, which is I think what keeps coming keeps bringing pack people back to flying in general and soaring in particular. The sense of personal achievement and growth that you can develop through soaring, I think is very much worth time, energy, and effort, and dedication, and some small expense you put into it. After, after a good day of flying sailplanes, and you come back from the airport, and um, uh, the sense of well-being and joy of the achievement of the day, whether whether it's um, you've done something really great or merely just flew around and kind of enjoyed the day, it never it is always rewarding. It never seems like it lessens. 33 years later, a good flight is feels like a good flight like it did when I was a student pilot. Yeah, and that's... Um, that's pretty awesome, you know, to to do it that long and you still have the same joy and the reward, you know, when you land that it was a good flight and you enjoyed yourself and you're ready to do it again. Yes, I agree. I'm looking forward to the next year immensely. And as long as I can still keep doing this, 
I'm going to keep working at it. And I enjoy it immensely. So I have had, you know, as I said, I've been in the Cumberland Soaring Club. I'm pretty sure this is my 33rd year. It might be my 34th. I'll have to add that up again. Oh, that's pretty, um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's it's been rewarding all those every year. Now, you get a couple different aspects that, you know, not your normal glider pilot would get, and that you are also a tow pilot. Yes. Since I'm power rated, or been flying power planes longer, in our in the club that I'm in, every everybody has to cooperate to make it successful. So, traditionally, power pilots in our club have also been asked to take a share in towing. So, I started towing very early in my career. I think within the first year that I joined the club. Back in those days, I think I had 125 hours total time when I started towing and fortunately made it through. Towing's interesting. Sometimes it's days when it's not good for soaring, but still a nice day and there's a lot of club activity. Towing's kind of fun. It gives you something to do. On really windy, rough days, it's a lot less fun. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's... uh, you know, I do it to help the club, you know, and, and do my part of my job in the club is to cover cover towing when I can. Towing's generally boring. It's it's one of those things that, you know, is oft described like many other things in life. It's uh, hours of boredom, boredom followed by 10 minutes of real excitement. Yeah. If um, everything goes well, it's pretty easy, and after you've made 10 or 12 toes in a row, it's, you know, you feel like you're a dump truck driver. I've just taken another load up the hill and dropped it off. <laughs> right. But occasionally, one in Lord knows how many flights, it'll get more interesting, um, either through turbulence or sometimes a student pilot will be in an interesting position, and you have to sort of take corrective action and... It gets a little bit more interesting. Never really, personally, never really had a, what I consider a dangerous moment towing. I've had a few that you had to pay good attention. Usually towing in wave conditions in the wintertime when the wind is strong and the turbulence is strong can be um, very interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, the tow plane can get bounced around pretty well. And sometimes if you get in a strong enough rotor, sometimes you're not 100% sure who's flying right. the airplane. But um, I can't say that I've had a, uh, an incident that, where I said, oh, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, I consider myself lucky. Now, I have had two towing incidents as a glider pilot where the tow plane lost power. And we had to, the, I had to release it barely 200 feet or maybe less both times the tow plane returned successfully and so did the glider but that's two in 30 some years and both of those were with new tug pilots who had made a a fuel selection mistake let's call it that had tried taking off on the empty tank instead of the full tank 
but other than that, I I don't I I will say that I've basically never you know had what I consider a serious incident in either the tug or in the um, in a sailplane. Oh, that's. Um, uh... Hope that answers the question you were uh, thinking about. Yeah, it does. Thank you. I do have a couple other questions for you. Sure. Now, out of all the types of soaring, you talked about it briefly. You talked about one of the types of soaring that we do. Uh, you were talking about the wave. Out of all the types of soaring we do, as a glider pilot, what would you say your favorite is? <sighs> that, hmm. If you have a yeah, I would think, yeah, well, of the three types, thermal soaring, ridge running, and wave flying, I will say that wave flying is probably the least fun for me. It usually happens in the in the late fall, winter, early spring. It's cold. <laughs> it's <laughs> bumpy. It's very interesting. Everybody should do it a couple of times because it's one of the most interesting things I can think of doing in any vehicle. It's literally can be a slightly un what do we what do we call it unworldly experience sometimes you you just are in an act in awe of nature and how its power if the day is right and you go up in the wave window and go close to the clouds it's a, a magnificent human experience something that very few people on the planet earth have done Relatively speaking, I mean, there's thousands of glider pilots have done it, but in the population of the Earth, that's not many. No. Um, it's cold, and I'm old now, so it's not my favorite thing to do anymore. <laughs> Ridge soaring is more fun for me personally, but my personal favorite is just regular thermal soaring. Um, that's what I have the most experience at. I enjoy thermaling and traveling via thermals personally the best it's also the most comfortable and, and in my golden years i find it the most relaxing and enjoyable of the three forms of soaring yeah i have not experienced the wave yet out of the ridge and the thermal soaring um yeah i i can agree with that as far as the thermal soaring goes that the thermal soaring is where i've gotten my best altitude but i'm still very young at this and Still learning, but what would you say to someone who wanted to start flying gliders? Don't wait. The younger you start, I think it's uh, much to your advantage. Don't wait because it's probably never going to be any cheaper. It's not, you know, my experience in aviation is it's gotten to be amazingly more expensive than it was when I started. You know, my first power lesson was $10 dual for oh, an wow. hour in $8 solo wow. in, a, in a Cessna 150. It's gone up a lot since yeah. then. Right. So don't. there's no reason to wait, first of all. Check out the club scene, which is how probably the vast majority of soaring pilots get started. There are a number of clubs in, in um, the United States and Canada, in the world, in fact, the club situation is usually the least expensive and perhaps the most supportive. So check out the clubs. Go to the SSA site and look for soaring sites. Visit some because they can be very different in personality. Pick out a couple that are accessible to you. 
meet the, meet the members, meet the instructor, take a guest ride if you can, and then get started. That's my best advice. I suggest you don't linger. You'll regret it. Well, I'll check it out next year or I'll check it out sometime in the future. If you're really interested in, in soaring and or flying, do it. Absolutely. There is no better time like the present. And like Gary said earlier, check it out, www.ssa.org. There's going to be all the information you need right there. And if you'd like to, you can always drop us an email too, chuck at soaringthesky.com if you have any questions for us. Or if you're a pilot and you'd like to share some of your stories on the show, you can do that. Until next time, thanks for joining us again right here on Soaring the Sky. Soaring the Sky.